passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to a victory edition of On the Bench. For tonight's Instant Reaction Podcast, I have Brendan Sinone with me. Brendan, good evening. How are you feeling? I'm great, Josh. It was nice to cover a win. It was the last home game of the season, and I have a confession for you. You told me not to drive home so the audio didn't sound bad, but I'm driving home. Yep, and we can already hear it. Uh, <laughs> Florida State was shorthanded while playing its first game in 28 days. They were pretty sharp. The Seminoles got off to a fast start, and then they kind of bogged down like they do, but they recovered, and they poured it on 56-35 victory over Duke. Um, FSU moves to 3-6, and 2-6 six, and six in the ACC. But they looked, at least they looked rejuvenated to start the game. Jumping out to a 28-0 lead, Jordan Travis was healthy. He was well-rested. Um, maybe had his best throwing game of the, of the year. He, what did you think of Jordan Travis's performance, first of all, before we get into there's, it? There were some moments that you know, the interception was a poorly thrown ball, and there's obviously yeah. parts where it bogged down. But, you know, the good, the A game, like his, his best game was – his best performance of the season throwing the ball, I thought, Josh. Like, the pass he had to Ontario Wilson downfield was awesome. He had some comeback patterns where he just looked the most confident he's been throwing the football. And I should note, like, for our listeners, that it was with the the right hand. He had splints on, like, two of his fingers still on that right hand, and he was still able to to make some really nice throws. And obviously what he does as a runner, he, he looked healthy in that regard. He looked like himself making guys miss. I think he had 90 rushing yards on the day to go along with just a really efficient game uh, passing the ball. And that's without a lot of help around him too. So yeah, he, he had, he had a really good game against a really bad defense. It was good to see though. He, he looked, he looked sharp. Yeah. Florida state got the win. Um, did you know that while you were in the stadium, UNC Tar Heels hung 62 points on the Miami hurricanes? Oh yeah. That game was on one of the televisions and that was, uh, you hate to see it, man. Oh, you hate, you hate to, to see, see it. Can we, can we safely say that, uh, transitive property that Florida State, if it had Jordan Travis healthy and ready to go, you know, fully in, integrated in the offense, would have probably beat Miami by 20 points safely. Yeah. To say. I don't think Miami's much different than FSU. They just got a grad transfer quarterback that, that can play a little bit. But it's a storyline for the offseason. Let's get back to this Florida State game. Norvell's play calling. What did you think? I love – we saw this last year with Kendall Bryles in the Sun Bowl against Arizona State when the team was super depleted. People love, love, love to crap on the play calling when, when, you're, when you're basically calling plays with a hand behind your back. I don't know if that actually makes a difference in calling the plays. But there, there was a point where the offense bowed down and, and you kind of see this predictable response from, from some casual fans who are saying, oh, this is so predictable, what he's going to do. I mean, Duke was loading the box. 
Uh, the issue is that FSU was without probably its best running back in the Damien Webb, well documented, without Tamari mm-hmm. and Terry, well documented. Its next best wide receiver, Ontario Wilson, got hurt in the second series of the game after making a really impressive catch. Uh, so they only had four healthy scholarship wide receivers. They're relying on walk-on running backs. Like, there's only so much you can do. Uh, but the fact that they were able to respond as well as they did when things did bog down and, like, the, the halfback toss was working for them with Lawrence Tofilly getting to the edge. And then they set that up with the play action to Ja'Kai Douglas mm, in the beautiful. fourth quarter. That Yeah, beautifully done. Like, just – this staff really is is – really polished with calling plays and there's some points in the game where it's going to bog down but they're setting things up i think that's so important to remember and they had guys actually execute today so i, I thought they also really nice they job. also know what they're capable of with right they, they exactly with and i think they people know what get, they're deficient in a start i Go ahead. think people get frustrated with that i say people fan you know the crazy fans where some yeah <laughs> where they say florida state lacks the play calling but if you remember back to some of the scrimmages and in what Kenny Dillingham used to say is we're trying to figure out what this team's good at doing. Well, they've spent this whole season trying to figure out what this team's good at doing. And now you're seeing them just cater the play calls to that. And what I like about your point, Josh, is that works on both sides. Like they're catering to strengths and they're trying to minimize and hide weaknesses. And they have Mm -hmm. a ton of weaknesses. Like don't, don't lose sight of, of that. Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. And, and, I know this was against Duke. I know Duke's defense is atrocious and has been getting worse throughout the season. But FSU averaged more than eight yards per play. No one's done that against them this year. Miami and UNC late in the season as Duke's kind of been checking out somewhat. They only averaged like seven and a half yards per play. So FSU had the – this was Duke's worst defensive outing, and it was against Mm -hmm. FSU's offense. Like there's some validity to what this coaching staff is doing and maximizing what it does have, which, again, isn't a lot. I think the Canes just gave up another touchdown. Ooh, hate to see it. And Florida's on the ropes as we're recording this. Yeah, as, as well. we're recording this. And who knows how this one's going to end, but it's at the half and LSU's up. Um, now, everything wasn't rosy. Uh, Florida State did give up 35 points. The defense still looked lost at times. I don't know what you want to call it. But um, what, what yeah. do you think about Adam Fuller's play calling? We talked about Mike Norvell's play calling. Let's, let's flip it over to the other side of the ball. Yeah, there's certainly some moments that were, were bad, but guys made plays, right? And they were in mm-hmm. position to make plays. Uh, I thought they played pretty fast and, and freely. And, yeah, there were, there were some moments that were frustrating that you see, Josh, where guys are kind of confused pre-play. I think that's, that's disheartening to see that at this point in the season where you can see for a series or two in a row where the defense just kind of on its heels. But they did adjust. I think that's important they adjusted. And then, obviously – Brendan Gant has that jarring hit on Chase Bryce, and that just changes the complexion of the game completely. Not only do you get the fumble, recover it, and then Jay Trapp scores on the two plays later, but it also knocks the starting quarterback out of the game, and they have to go with a freshman who's kind of limited and is more of just a runner. So uh, the play calling was okay. You know, I, I would like to rewatch the game, Josh, before like I fully uh, – can I say this real quick? Without Chris there, he's at a wedding. That was obviously pre – you know, before this was scheduled at this point in the season – that man does so much during the course of a game that allows me to kind of free up and watch it. So I'm trying to – he literally writes two different game stories simultaneously. There's no reason to do the two, I've realized today. I'm like, that's <laughs> insanity. Why are we doing two game stories at once? There only needs to be one update, whatever. But he does a lot. So I feel like I 
and you can probably hear it in my voice. I'm still a little flustered from trying to be Chris Knee today while still being myself too. It, it was a lot. Thank you to Zach Blostein for being there to help out. Yeah, big shout out to Zach. Um, few guys shine tonight. Like you said, um, Brendan Gant kind of had a breakout performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ja'Kai Douglas had a breakout performance. And, of course, Lawrence Toffoli. Uh, talk about a little bit about Lawrence Toffoli stepping up with LaDamian Webb out. Um, we're really kind of seeing these young weapons emerge on offense. It's, it's exciting. Part of that's a necessity too, right? Like that's all that's all that's left. But but the fact that they did step up and make plays was really encouraging. And real quick, I don't know if we're gonna get to it, but shout out to Hampson Hazeldine. You mentioned guys who made yep. a lot of plays. He had the interception, nine tackles. He looked like an NFL player. He kind of let the cat out of the bag that next week against Wake Forest, maybe his last game. Some clarity there. Go get your money, young man. Like you deserve it at this point. Uh, go go get paid. But uh, but back to the offense, Josh. Yeah, Lawrence Toe, Philly, seven carries for what was it, a, a buck, a buck something, buck 17 or something like that. Like, he yeah. he was explosive. Again, it's against Duke. Like, that's all something we have to kind of take with a grain of salt. Like, it's a bad defense, he bad offense. He did seven carries, 117 <laughs> yards. He, and the play where he, he sprung it for uh, the, the – I think it was a 73-yard touchdown run in the second half. Yeah. Good blocking. Uh, it was just you had Duke on their heels. You had Jay Trav uh, starting to get a little dinged up for them to take pressure off of him was huge. So – so Lawrence Toffoli just has some special ability that you see little flashes of. We saw more so tonight. Uh, Ja'Kai Douglas, you want to see more consistency with him catching the ball. I feel like he has a gimme drop every, every single time we see him. But he also hauled in two scores, too. So yeah. that, was, that was big. He had about 70 yards receiving. And then how about Treshawn Ward, too, from, uh, from your – I was about Josh? to say, shout Isn't out to cool? Treshawn Ward. Two <laughs> carries, 54 yards, and a touchdown. And, uh, and you know, it too wasn't just like, – I mean, it was a well-blocked play, but, like, he, he accelerated, hit the whole hard. That was – it was really, really cool to see that too. So, yeah, all those guys made plays, uh, and the offense was super limited with what it could do. I mean, they were, they were really shorthanded with skill players, and one for the young guys to make plays was super encouraging and exciting for, for hopeful potential growth down the road for next season. And I think another uh, shout-out to, to what the coaching staff does to kind of free those guys up to make plays. Yeah, I would have I liked to see – what was up with Brian Robinson? Was he still injured? Did he get on the field? Because he didn't register he did not, a stat. So yeah, I'm he not, didn't play a ton that I think about it, Josh. Because so Norvell did up, say that he was going to be out there, remember? He, 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 he made a point to talk about him. He was there. He was dressed out. Uh, they had – I think it was the targets to Kentron Potier over yeah, on Kentron the had one catch for eight yards. Okay, so what they ended up doing after Pokey left the game, I think, again, it was in the second series, maybe third, uh, but early on in the game there, they end up basically using it, and pretty much the plan was to have Keyshawn and Pokey take a chunk of the snaps at wide receiver and then use one of the freshman running backs, whether it's Ja'Kai Douglas or Toe Philly in the slot a lot. And then once Pokey went out, I, I think they just decided to use both those guys a lot more, both the freshman running backs and kind of the, the gadget slot athlete roles. Uh, so I would like to see the snap count after tonight, Josh, but I, my gut is that Keyshawn Helton played a, a ton of snaps because they just had so few other wide receivers that they really trust to be the guy with the way they were running the offense. Mm. Well – if this was the last game of the year, um, it, it, the Knolls are going out on a high note. And I say if this is the last game of the year, because next week against Wake Forest, I, 
I guess they plan on playing it, but what do you think? They do plan on playing it as of tonight. Mm-hmm. So going into the game, I Zach and I counted 51 scholarship players who were dressed out and available. I think Warchant said they counted 45, so somewhere in that group. But, but even that's like six-player discrepancy when you're talking about only 45 to 51 guys. It's, it's actually a lot of players to be different on. Norvell wouldn't comment on exactly how many were available after tonight's game, but, but that's really slim, Josh. And, and slim, like on the offensive line, I think they had maybe eight guys dressed out on the offensive line, which is dangerously close to the seven number. And then you lose Fabian Lovett in the game. That was a scary injury. Don't have anything to update there, but he was able to walk off, which is good. Um, initially, you're thinking he's not moving. It, it may be you know, some more like concussion type of stuff. We don't know for sure, but definitely got dinged uh, upper, upper body, head area. Uh, Pokey Wilson gets hurt, doesn't come back. There's one or two more injuries. I'm, I'm blanking on right now, Josh. But I guess my point being, you already have 51 guys at the max who are dressed out and ready to go. Mm-hmm. That's going to, you know, it's limited after this week. I just don't know if you're going to have enough guys to safely say we can we can play a full game. I guess we'll have to see what happens in the next few days here. But but I do think that's the reality. And even if you are Florida State and you want as many reps as as can possibly be. But if you're this depleted at the end of the year and you're just trying to kind of make a makeshift unit to get through, you might as well end it on a high note if you are going to end it prematurely and not and not risk any more injuries at this point. I don't think anyone would have a huge problem with that if that is what happens. And well, we saw Georgia Tech announce it today too. It's Did like they? A, okay. All and right. it's like it wasn't necessarily COVID related. It was like they had injured players and they were saying that they're they're just calling the game now. So, but. If the game does get played, it's been announced right now. Uh, Chris just posted it on the site. The game will be scheduled for noon. Uh, Wake All Forest right, on Saturday will be a noon start if it is played. But we'll be we'll be monitoring that situation all week on almost 24-7. We don't need to worry about that anymore. Anything else? Anybody you want to shout out? Any other performances that you took note of? Uh, Jarvis Brownlee had a good game. Um, anybody else you want to? Uh, I do want to go over the dynamic. I want to get your thoughts, Josh, and how you kind of view this. So we talk about they build the 28 nothing lead, get off to the really fast start, mm-hmm. and then obviously Duke erases, almost erases it, gets it pretty close, cuts it to 28-21 with five minutes left in the second quarter. What's yeah. going on in your mind as that's happening? <laughs> and do you give credit, like there's going to be a narrative, I'm going to write about it, we're going to talk about it and explore it, that there's some growing up, uh, there's some – improvement in handling adversity how much of that is legitimate growth how much of that is just plain duke Uh, and that's what the balancing act i'm going to try to think about what i'm writing this week i'm curious to get your thoughts yeah when they when duke narrowed it to a seven point lead um and florida state was sputtering i'm sitting here on the couch and i look over at my girlfriend and i said oh boy (laughs) here it comes again and she was sleeping so she didn't respond to any of it but in my mind, I was thinking, like, yeah, here we go again. But I also knew that, like, this team has faced this before, right? Um, so while that feeling was in the back of my head, I wasn't surprised to see them come back out and score. I, I felt good. I felt um, like they didn't get too down on themselves throughout that period of time. Duke was moving the ball really well. But, you know, that hit by Brent, Brendan Gant. Like you said, uh, it kind of changed the momentum of the game. And I think that was the point where it went from, oh, here we go again to like, okay, they're going to, you know, they're going to do what they're supposed to do and handle business. I wasn't, I'm not 
the, to the second part of your question, like I'm not ready to jump on that narrative yet that this team has turned the corner mentally because they beat a, you know, downtrodden Duke program to, to, to end the season. And look, a win's a win. It's, it was a good win. Some of these guys got some good reps, but I am, I still think this team needs to add some talent. Um, sure. Before they can, you know, you can be as mentally strong as you want to be, but if you're not talented, you're still not going to win ball games. So the big thing for me heading into the offseason is I want to see what they do in the transfer portal. I just mm-hmm. want to see what they do in recruiting. Like I, there needs to be an influx of talent to this team as well. I think they know that the staff knows that and, and would, would tell you as much. Uh, I will say, Josh, there is something, and, and I'm with you. Like, I don't think, you know, this is the balancing act of saying like, this doesn't change everything of a win against Duke. Like, let's keep it in, in perspective. But mm-hmm. the fact that you showed that you can stop the bleeding, like against North Carolina, they just held on, right? Like they, yeah. they got off to the big league and they just held on for dear life at the end of it. This was FSU coming and taking it back from Duke. Like Duke, Duke yeah. took momentum and FSU came and took it right back. That's the first time that's happened under Mike Norvell this season. Uh, I don't know when the last time that happened for a Florida State team. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. When, when they had momentum, gave it up, and then came back and said, this is ours. I don't yeah, think it happened you- in a while. If you are one that wants to start a narrative, you could also say that, you know, the tide was turned in this last game by a bunch of the younger players, right? Travis Mm Jay had an interception. Uh, Obviously, we've talked about Brendan Gant, but Brownlee uh, was a tone setter for the team. Um, Toa Philly, Ja'Kai Douglas, you know, a lot of these guys. DJ Lundy getting in there and carving up some space in the Wildcat stuff, yep. Um, And a lot of these guys that kind of sparked, I don't want to call it, it wasn't the comeback, but kind of the reemergence of the team in the second half. A lot of the guys that sparked that were younger guys. Mm-hmm. So that was good to see. Um, maybe we'll see more against Wake Forest. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be back on Monday for our typical on the bench with Chris Knee. Um, but for Brendan Sinone, I'm Josh Newberg, and thank you for listening. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. 
Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.